Hello and good morning on this Wednesday for the second time this week. Nice to see you all again. My name is Paul Boyer, joined as always by Matt Gelb. This is Phillies Therapy, the post-trade deadline edition, where in the wake of a flurry of moves yesterday, the Phillies made a couple of acquisitions. Not one that we were expecting, though, necessarily. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Their competition in the wild card and in the division, really, uh, for as much of a competition as that is, also made some moves. We'll talk about the highlights of that. Nice win last night, too, as the Phillies have taken the first two in their series against the Marlins. A lot of stuff going on, most of it positive, and we'll just get right into it. Matt, good morning. How are you? Uh, great, Paul. The deadline is over, so now I can uh, go back to texting people who will text me back. <laughs> there you go. It's it's tough to get information out of folks around the Phillies, it seems like, these days. There was nothing really coming out anywhere about this Michael Lorenzen thing, especially the Rodolfo Castro thing, until they were basically done. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I enjoy shouting into the void, and yeah, it's great. Nah, you know, I love the trade deadline. It's great. Yeah, no, uh, if anyone sure from the police front office is listening, you know, really appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> Speaking of that front office, they pulled off, uh, as you may have heard, a couple of major league moves. They acquired Michael Lorenzen, budget Shohei Otani from the Detroit Tigers. They gave up um, one of their better prospects, but I think that's kind of a beauty in the eye of the beholder kind of thing. We'll talk a little bit more about that. How you lead the infielder, contact heavy infielder. Goes to the Detroit Tigers for Michael Lorenzen, who will be a pitcher, will not be a two-way player for the Phillies. We don't expect. They also made a trade with the Pittsburgh Pirates, sending erstwhile starter, swingman, gimmick man, Bailey Falter, for Rodolfo Castro, who is technically a switch hitter, but should probably only ever hit right-handed going forward. He plays in the infield. Matt, what they did not do is pick up a powerful right-handed hitting corner outfield bat that we so long expected they might do instead just settling for some rotation slash swingman depth and dealing one of their their upper half prospects to do so and then just sort of shoring up the infield making a a, a move to get a controllable guy who's been fine I guess for his role uh over Josh Harrison who they DFA'd uh also yesterday Matt, what's what's the sense of of what happened here now that dust is settling a bit and the Phillies opted to go for rotation help, at least for now, infield help and not go for outfield help? My sense is that some of the guys they wanted to, you know, were more interested, either weren't traded or were too expensive in their mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was not a strong hitters market. I think we all knew that. Uh, I I think the Cubs and Padres deciding to uh, not only not sell, but also buy uh, certainly changed the dynamics of the market uh, quite a bit. Uh, Had Cody Bellinger been out there, I don't know if the Phillies would have gotten it, but somebody else would have gotten him and that would have had a trickle down effect, I think. Sure. On the rest of the hitter market. Uh, Nevertheless, I mean, I'm still, I'm a little surprised that they did not add 
a hitter beyond someone who is on Pittsburgh's AAA roster. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. whatever you think of Rodolfo Castro, you know, sounds like a, a you know a possibly useful player, a, a sort of bench guy. He's got options. He could go uh, back and forth to AAA. Um, I do think he'll play some second base against lefties, and I know people are uh, very excited to hear that. Uh, yeah, right. <clears throat> but I, I I still think there was there was there you know I, I don't know what it would have been, but that you know it's the front office's job. They're smarter than I am. They're very smart people. You know, they know what was available and what the prices were. Uh, I, I still am surprised there wasn't a way for them to get just one other bat. You know, maybe not even, um, maybe more of a bench type, you know, someone to replace JK, for example. Uh, you know, a, a sort of just yeah. a, a bench bat with a little more pop. Um, and uh, they did. And that, you know, that's, I think it was interesting to hear Dave Dombrowski afterward uh you know, sort of go into what their thinking was with Johan Rojas. I mean, a guy who mm-hmm. uh, really wasn't on their major league radar until a few weeks ago and was really only going to come up as a kind of a temporary uh, stopgap. And now all of a sudden they're sort of extolling the virtues of Johan Rojas. And, I, you know, he's definitely been interesting. Mm-hmm. I think Rojas is a fun player. There's a lot of things he does that you like. He also, uh, you know, is not is not a finished product by any means. No. and He's come up with some big hits and some good at-bats against some tough righties. I thought it was a bat against David Bednar uh, in Pittsburgh uh, on that on – that, uh, I don't even know what day it was. I forget now. Sunday? Sunday game? Um, Saturday game? I don't know. Uh, was was really impressive. Like, that's about as good of a righty as he'll face in the majors. Bednar is tough. Uh, and he's done some things. Like, certainly, I mean, like, obviously, the center field is tremendous, um, mm-hmm. save for the error that he made on, in Sunday's game. and uh, you know, he, he gives them an element that they don't have. And I, I, I do think it was interesting to hear Dombrowski talk about redundancies and, you know, some of the guys they might have acquired. And I think, I feel like maybe I'm reading too much into this. And Dave, if you ever talk to me, you can tell me, uh, you know, he kind of was like a wink, wink, you know, against Teoscar Hernandez, basically, you know, Hernandez was not traded. He was very available. Uh, and I think the Phillies looked at him and said, the, you know, the potential upside, uh, was not worth the risk of acquiring a player who was much like many that they already have. Uh, kind of a boomer bust guy, a lot of strikeouts, um, not a great defender, good enough, but not great. Uh, and, and they didn't go for it. Um, I don't know what the price was in him. I don't think it was significant, uh, but they didn't go for it. And uh, so, you know, they doubled down here, right? on pitching and defense, which is what they we did. know the Phillies is for, right? That's, you know, the Phillies way. Yeah, right. Uh, exactly. That's how they were built. <laughs> so uh, I expect you're going to see a lot of Brandon Marsh in left field mm-hmm. uh, moving forward. Uh, I think Christian Pache has been doing, uh, he's in Clearwater right now and he's uh, been ramping up and, and that that's going to be the interesting, I guess, dynamic of all this to me is like when he is ready to come back, you know, is Rojas gone? And I, I think probably, yeah. Like I think whatever they were saying about Rojas yesterday and talking about the virtues and how he's not, Hasn't been overwhelmed yet. Um, they like what he does. They like what he brings because the rest of the roster doesn't really have the speed and defense. That that probably becomes Pache when he's ready to come back. And I'm thinking maybe, you know, within two weeks, really. Um, so that's the bet they're making. Um, defense over offense, pitching. Uh, and we can go into the runs and dynamics a little bit. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it it's... I think it's interesting to see what other teams did, right? I mean, the teams, the other teams in within the National League race, like the wild card race, 
Yep, um, for sure. You, you saw some teams make some additions, but not you know not not big ones. And nope, uh, there was a weird deadline. Certainly, that it was a seller's market, and I think that that um, you know that really affected what the Phillies did and what really everyone did. Yes, it was a ve- it was a very strange market to my eye. I mean, just looking over some of the highlights of what went down. Obviously, the big move was Justin Verlander going back to the Astros. The Mets paying down a significant amount of of the remaining money he's owed. But for the wild card aspect of it, you look at, you know, the Brewers picking up Andrew Chafin, uh, lefty reliever in a, a basically a reliever swap with Arizona. Uh, Mark Hanna, as as you notice, may have gone to he went to Milwaukee. Not may have gone to he went to Milwaukee. He's That's there. somebody. Yes, he is there. The Brewers actually traded for him. Uh, that's somebody who may have been on the Phillies radar along with Tommy Pham, who went to Arizona. That's another direct impact right there. Brad hand. I'm going to choose to be cocky and say thank you to Atlanta for picking up Brad hand, because hopefully that ends up paying dividends for the Phillies. I'm just going to choose to look at that one. Positively. You look at the Padres, the Dave, the Dave Robertson acquisition has already paid, uh, paid off. Yes. Yes. The David Robertson acquisition has paid off. You know, I was doing a, um, just to quickly segue to last night. Uh, or talk about last night with the Castellanos home run to give them the lead in the ninth inning. I was just curious about that particular situation because it, uh, the broadcast flashed a graphic that said it was Castellanos' first home run. I think that late since 2021, like it was his first ninth inning or later home run with the Phillies. I think I'm remembering that right, but that's not the point here. I went back to baseball savant and I ran a little, little, little query action here to try and see since 2008, which is as far back as this tool goes, how many Phillies had hit a home run in the ninth inning or later in an 0-2 count, either as the go-ahead run or with the go-ahead run on base? Oh, a lot of oh, a lot of things. Yeah, I want to I want to hear this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How many? Right, so, how many were? How many were there? So going back to two from 2008 to 2018. Okay, so 10, 11 season stretch. Now, I'm just going on what Savannah's telling me here, and I think my query is right. They had exactly one. From 08 to 18. And it what was Chase year? Utley. Chase Utley oh, okay. in 2014. They have had one in each of the previous five seasons since. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. How good are these names? It's kind of what well, it's actually it's it's guys you would expect. The okay. first the first one was Gene Segura, his first home run as a member of the Phillies, pretty sure is in 2019, April 2019. The 2021, which those highlights still make me uncomfortable. I don't think I'll ever get over that, um, <clears throat> was late August 2020. Scott Kingry, a walk-off homer. You might remember that one. I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, this, it was a walk-off three-run home run um, off of Mark Melanson. Um, the 2021 home run was the resumption of a suspended game, if I remember right, in, in July. JT Real Muto to right center field. I remember that because I remember his fist pump after he hit it where Travis Jankowski was one of the runs that scored the 2022 home run was Reese Hoskins to put them ahead uh, off Dwayne Underwood in Pittsburgh late July. And then Castellanos on, uh, on Tuesday. We're all how of all those pitches, which we can't really go back and see. Yeah. I'm going to guess that there was no worse O2 pitch thrown than the one that David Robertson threw to Castellanos last night. I mean, that is in the history of pitches in the last, you know, I don't know, however many years, that is as bad of a pitch as you'll ever see. O2 against Nick Castellanos, who has literally been swinging at every single thing thrown his way. He gives him a hanging <laughs> curve. I mean, just what? Yeah. What? 
Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for one last present, David. Uh, even if that's the last one you give, I, I'm deeply appreciative of that. All right. Back to trades. Just to wrap up a couple of the highlights here. Um, G-Man Choi and Rich Hill went to San Diego. Uh, along Garrett with... Cooper. The Padres, Scott Barlow. Yeah, Padres, I don't know. Yeah. I'm they, just shrugging in my in the general direction of the Padres. They just they added a whole bunch of pieces. The central divisions, I don't know what anybody in the central divisions is doing, especially in the AL Central. The twins are leading that division and did nothing. I, I you know, Cleveland sold off its you know, one of its big bigger hitters and picked up Gene Segura, who they promptly released. They still owe money through next year. Right? No, he's not coming back. <laughs> it, no, no, he's not. He's, he's not coming back. We love Gene, but no. Um, and he might be done. Noah Syndergaard is their picket. He might be done. Like I don't really, I don't really get what the central divisions were doing. I guess apart from Chicago, who had to strip for parts. I, it's just it was a strange deadline to look at, and and nobody really, nobody seismically improved. And especially in the NL wild card race. I mean, you can talk about Verlander going back to Houston for, you know, whatever that's worth. Yeah, no one really could. Do you want my hottest take? I would love your hottest take, Matt. What do you have? And I, I don't want to say that they they, that, that <laughs> they had the best deadline because they, you know, it was it was a result of poor decisions earlier. But I, I really, I think the Mets had the best team of anyone at the deadline. I thought the Mets did incredibly well in getting what they got for two, you know, 40-ish starting pitchers who are, who are both still, you know, tremendous talents, but uh, I think the Mets did really well, but also like the Mets have clearly signaled that next year um, they are not, they're not planning on contending. So yeah. that, that's Philly's relevant as we talked about in the last podcast. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people who really like Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford, who are the, the two prospects they got uh, in the Drew Gilbert's deal. Big time. Yeah, he's a big time prospect. Yeah. 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 There, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of love around that and you know, good for them. Okay. As far as this year is concerned, it definitely weakens them for that end of season stretch that we were looking forward to. The oh, yeah. seven of the last 10 games, you know, they're going to be a weaker team. They're not devoid of talent. You know, forever pest Brandon Nimmo is still there. He could, he could, you know, wreak havoc for all we know. But the fact of the matter is they are a weakened team for this year and maybe for next year. If they're not looking to, to reload, if all of what they're saying is true and what's coming out is that they are, you know, what's the hot word that everybody's using? Repurposing this year that whatever then i remember when the phillies i remember when the phillies were going into their rebuild but david montgomery you know rest in peace he 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 refused to use that word he did not want anyone in the organization to use that word at at first and he you know he really like hated when people were using that word and that you know eventually they did go to that you know started using that word but it's just funny to me how now teams you know it's, it's just like it almost has a, it does have a negative connotation to it. And, and it's funny to watch teams try to dance around that. It's, it's, you know, you can call it whatever you want. I, I think fans are smart enough now to pick up on what teams do, you know, even, to, <laughs> even if what they say doesn't necessarily line up with, you know, rebuilding or tanking in a more extreme scenario. Fans are smart. We have all these resources. Now we can pull up baseball reference. We can pull up, roster resource we can pull up all these different pages and we can see what's going on people who can spend you know a little more than five minutes checking things out and looking at the lay of land they get it i mean i'm glad that david montgomery avoided a word that's become you know i guess i'll call it toxic for lack of a better term but 
when teams are doing that, when they're doing what the Phillies did for a couple of years, when they're doing, you know, what the White Sox, I think, are going to try and do, maybe, I don't know, they're always half in, half out. And what some other teams have done over the last few years, it's just what they're doing. They're, they're giving up on a, on a season in order to try and get better later on. That's a different topic for a different day. Getting back to the Phillies, who have won a couple really nice games here to start this Marlins series and move a game and a half ahead of Miami after entering a half game back. They are half a game back of the Giants for the top wildcard spot. Milwaukee, Arizona, the Cubs. It's still, it's still I still, I still don't understand there. the Giants. We didn't get the Giants. Their big deadline acquisition was A.J. Pollock. The Giants are another team. They're not in a central division, but they're another team I don't really understand right now. It's I almost as I if they don't. It's almost as if they don't fully believe in what they're doing, right? They have three starting pitchers. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is AJ Pollock your 30? How old is he? 35. But he he's played lately like he's much older than that. Was a, He was a great player, you know, in his prime, but he's clearly diminished. He's he's hitting. He's got a 547 OPS with Seattle this year and you pick him up. I don't know. That's a that's a weird move to me. And it doesn't feel like a serious move. I don't no, think Sean Manaya. They they won a run. They won a one run game last night. Sean Manaya got the save. And like I don't know, <laughs> it's a very, it's a very strange thing. They have a really difficult August schedule, as do the Marlins. Um, and, and I do know that within the Phillies front office, these very little pieces of you know small, meaningless pieces of information. I do know. I mean, like the schedule was something they definitely looked at and, and looked mm-hmm. at it and, and saw it as, as being in their favor relative to um, some of their other contenders. Remember, the Phillies are going to spend almost the entire month of August after this little trip here to Miami uh, at home, um, mm-hmm. save for two games in Toronto and then three against uh, Washington. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very favorable schedule for the Phillies, at least in terms of August. Um, and when it went, when compared to the Giants and the Marlins, um, for for sure. So that is something that did factor into some of their uh, discussions or decisions. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think what we're getting at here is that overall, um, you know, the teams around the Phillies um, incrementally improved or just uh, sort of stayed where they're at. I think yeah. the Reds and the Giants, you could say, stayed where they're at, if not, you know, worse. And Reds needed pitching bad and. Reds didn't get any pitching. No. Ben Lively gave up 13 runs. Former Philly is great. <laughs> oh boy, uh, that, that's like <laughs> you always know, like you know you, you do you do or don't do something at the trade deadline. Then you play this game immediately after. And you're like, boy, I hope this game doesn't play into the you know to the narrative of us not doing enough. And in the Reds' case, <laughs> not going out and getting a starting pitcher and then having Ben Lively, who's pitching in Korea for all these years, give up 13 runs is uh, you know that's it's a little too too on the nose, huh? Yeah, uh, that, very on the nose. I think I think Miami did well. Uh, I think Milwaukee did okay. Um, I, I don't know how much like you know they they, they have a bad offense, so Carl Santana Marcana should help them. Uh-huh. Um, I thought Cano was a guy that could help the Phillies. Like that that's that's a guy that yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I might have might have gone after. Um, I know the Phillies liked Adam Duvall a lot, and uh, he was not traded. Um, nope. So you know that that. I, I, you know, I still think they they could have tried to do something. I don't know what it is, and that's you know that's kind of a cop out. But um, I'm also not in the front office, and I don't know what was there. And, um, yeah, I don't know. You want to talk about pitching? Yeah, yeah. So 
based on what they did actually do, let's think ahead to how we might experience Michael Lorenzen and Rodolfo Castro, (laughs) the newest Phillies. So the early word that came out is that the Phillies are going to ride a six-man rotation for a couple of turns, the way it sounds, with Lorenzen set to make his Phillies debut tomorrow, Thursday, as as things currently stand, uh, with Chris Sanchez remaining in the rotation, getting a little extra rest for Nola Wheeler and Suarez as we go along. How long is that going to be viable? How long do you think they're going to ride that six-man philosophy? Is that something that can carry them into and through September? Or is this just a brief thing before Lorenzen moves to the bullpen? Because Lorenzen, it should be noted, is coming up on a career high in innings pitched. Uh, I think the six-man will last until the third week of August. The week of August 14th, which is not really the third. It's basically the third week of August, August 14th. Yeah, okay. Um, they have two off days in that week, and there's just going to be too much time off if you're having a six-man rotation. So I do believe they'll make some sort of decision that week um, that they go to Toronto. It's two games in Toronto bookended by two off days. Mm. So you're going to get like you know two turns here of a six-man, uh, and then I think they'll have to make a decision on what they do from there. Um, I think they have some options. Um, it could be moving Lorenz into the bullpen as a reliever. He's done it. He's done it in high leverage. Uh, roles before uh, with Cincinnati. Uh, they could move Chris Sanchez to the bullpen or they could move Chris Sanchez back to AAA and just keep him stretched out. Uh, I could see that happening, even if okay. it, even if it, even if his performance doesn't merit a demotion. Um, I, I, I could see that happening. Yeah. Uh, they could do some sort of piggyback thing. I mean, they're going to, they, they feel like they can go one, you know, by going to six-man rotation, you're, you're going with one less reliever, right? I mean, you're only allowed to have 13 pitchers. So right. if you have six starters, you only have seven relievers. And they believe that they functionally have been using a seven-man bullpen now for the better part of three weeks. Uh, Andrew Vasquez has barely pitched. Um, would not be surprised if he's the guy who ends up going. They'd have to make, they have to make a couple roster moves uh, later today. Um, I do expect that Rodolfo Castro joins the team. He will replace Josh Harrison, who was DFA'd. Um, a great guy. You know, I, I, real quick on Josh, Josh Harrison. I do think somebody's going to pick him up. Um, tremendous uh, person. Yeah. Didn't work out. Um, and they, they had to, they had to upgrade that spot. I, I don't know how much they upgraded it with Rodolfo Castro, but uh, they, they had to, they had to do something there. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Harrison last, latches on with, with the contending type. Uh, oh, with the contending team. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. At least maybe go to AAA to start. Um, okay. And then, you know, we'll see from there, but, um, yeah. And so they'll have to make a bullpen move, uh, once Lorenzen reports, um, you know, cause they played last night, a man short. Uh, right. and so it's either got to be Andrew Vasquez or Dylan Covey. Both of them are out of options. One of them will have to be DFA'd. Um, wouldn't be surprised if it's Vasquez and not Covey. It, it's sort of a coin flip at this point, but it's wild that based on the, the runs that they were both on in the last month to six weeks, that the race would be that close to be who would get DFA for this move because Vasquez had been, I won't say great. I don't know if he's, he's ever been great in his time here. He's never been overpowering. He's got uh, results. He, yeah. he had made it work. The slider spam, they had made it work um, until lately. And Dylan Covey is everybody's favorite whipping boy just because he only pitches a mop up and, you know, he has the the high career ERA. And it's just like, oh, yeah, he's the obvious move. And 
the fact that it's not as obvious now is is kind of fascinating to me. Right. So they go with a six man until mid August and then reassess. And then I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they, in September at times, they go to six man. Um, the way I would look at Michael Lorenzen and, 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 and Rob Thompson even use this copy, he's basically going to be a right-handed master off of them. And in, in the sense that he, he can basically fill any role. He can start for them. He can pitch mm-hmm. in the middle of games and give them length. He could come in into you know big spots late in games. And that's how the Phillies have used Strom. And, and, and to Strom's credit, he, he really has um, you know done you know decently filling different roles, which is not the easiest thing to, to pull off. And so no. – um, Right, I mean, like, let's think ahead. Like, okay, let's say they make the playoffs. Like, Michael Lorenzen is not is probably not starting a playoff game for them. And and that no. that if 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 I'm starting, you know, if you want to get to, you know, my critique of how the Phillies did the deadline, it's that I don't know that they really, like, I'm not sure how much they really improved like their postseason chances here. Like, I just I don't know. I mean, because Mike, you know, Michael Lorenzen in the playoffs is 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 a middle reliever for you and maybe he's a good one and maybe he ends up getting big outs for them but um he's not gonna start a postseason game no. you know rodolfo castro in the playoffs is you know your last guy on the bench um, if he's even on the postseason roster so uh i that that's kind of where I, I have trouble like um you know really like loving what they did at the deadline I, I understand you know why they did what they did with lorenzen and um you know they were worried. I mean, if they had an injury to any one of their starting pitchers here in the next two months, um, they're they're uh, it's not great. But to me, like that, the fact that they had to cash in a, a decent prospect, like I think how you yeah. is a is a decent prospect in a system that you know doesn't have a ton of decent prospects, especially hitters. Um, he's not having a great season. Uh, I mean, there are concerns about you know how how much power potential is in there, how much projectability he has because he right. is. Um, you know, he definitely has an advanced bat to ball skills for his age. He's got a good approach at the plate. Um, you know, he's kind of stuck at second base and, and, um, he's not a great defender there. And, there, you know, I know there are questions whether he even stays there. I think he will. Um, he's kind of hit for a little more power to be probably to be a big leaguer. Uh, and that can come. He's only, you know, 20 years old. Uh, but the fact that they had to cash in that prospect to get, you know, what is essentially a fifth starter who would not be pitching a postseason game for you, I think is kind of indictment of, of how poorly they built their rotation depth, how much they were relying on Andrew Painter, who's obviously out for the season and out for next season too, but also the stagnation of Griff McGarry and McAble, um, some of the other depth pieces, Bailey Falter, who is now a Pittsburgh pirate. Uh, good luck. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't think it was like it, it, it's kind of an indictment on, on, I guess, the organizational as a whole. I think, I mean, the fact that they had to go cash in a decent young hitting prospect to get if it's starter type, just because they were worried, essentially a six starter. I mean, really, depending on how you felt about Chris Sanchez, because they were worried about, you know, somebody getting hurt in the next two months. And Dombrowski even admitted, he's like, if I knew that, you know, my five guys are going to be healthy for the remainder of the season, we could have filled that six spot internally. We had to. If we needed to yeah. bring up a guy for a spot start, or if we, you know, or if we somebody had to miss a turn or two turns, whatever, they could have done it internally. He's like, I just don't know that's going to happen. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's good to get insurance. It's good to be proactive. Um, you can't have too much pitching. Totally agree. Uh, I, I just kind of think that you know the allocation of resources is not you know it's not the most efficient, and we're not ever, we're never going to accuse the Phillies of being efficient. Uh, yeah. And that's just not the way they do business. So 
that's kind of my take on the deadline. And maybe that's too harsh. I don't know. Um, that's how I look at it, though. I, I think there are a couple of things at work here, right? We saw that part of the market got set when Aaron Savali got traded on Monday from Cleveland to Tampa Bay for a global top 100 prospect. Now, Aaron Savali is, for all intents and purposes, okay. He is an okay major league starting pitcher. Doesn't Probably walk a ton a four of who pitches yeah. like a three sometimes, right? Yeah. He's having a career year. He's kind of almost like, not quite, but he's almost in the mold of what Kyle Gibson was when the Phillies picked him up. A guy who's just basically an average major league starting pitcher having a really good year and the team that has him cashed in on an elevated market. Now, remember, of course, that Spencer Howard had a little more prospect cachet at the time he was dealt. Spencer Howard now. Spencer Howard went to the Yankees. Yes, he did. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But you look at Uh, Savali. He's got a nice ERA this year, but the peripherals don't really back that up. He's fine. And he went for a global top 100 to Tampa Bay. And I think at that point, it was kind of like, oh, the pitching market is going to be tough. So I think it would have been reasonable to say at that point, all right, yeah, maybe the Phillies just kind of rely on what they already have, even though the depth isn't great or whoever they do pick up is probably going to be uninspiring. To see them go for a guy who is, again, having a career year, Michael Lorenzen, in a walk year, so he doesn't have the extra year of control like Gibson had, for one of the prospects whose name is more well-known among casual Phillies fans. That's where I think things get a little interesting. Um, That tends to make people go, wait, what? We got who for one of our better prospects? It almost feels like once you achieve name brand recognition... Regardless of how good you actually are, you could be the team's top prospect. You could be, as Lee was, in the middle of the pack. Uh, he's a decent prospect. Yeah. He, he is, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. he's he's got good contact, and that is valued in today's game. Absolutely. Yes. The questions that you that you bring up, you know, he's not he's not the biggest guy. It's not like he has a ton of body left to fill into for the power potential. You kind of wonder if that's just what he was worth, even though he was one of the guys whose name was a little more recognizable. Just saying. I think the point you make about the pitching internally is especially salient here and especially, especially as it relates to Griff McGarry, because he was a college arm who you could have hoped might have been ready for some major league action by this point. Right. Should have um, been really, you yeah. know, Mick Abel, yeah, it's, it's, he's still yeah, young. He's fair. still got time yeah. to get it together. A full year double A for Abel is completely and absolutely reasonable. Yes. Yeah. The, the fact that you couldn't rely on an internal option like McGarry, who was one of your best options in the pipeline coming into the season, that's a, that's a little tough to swallow. You don't like having to ch- uh, to cash in a prospect of how you lease Satcher, even though he's not a global top 100 for Michael Lorenzen, who was a pure rental. Yeah, I can see how that, do- how that doesn't sit great. Um, but that's what they did. That's what they had to do. That's the way the market was set. And they felt like because yeah. the depth became an issue that they were almost backed into a corner. I could see that being the argument. Yeah. I mean, I, and this is all me saying that, like, you know, I think I'm, I, I'm definitely nitpicking here. Like, I think they did fine. I think they could have done yeah. better. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, we all knew this. We said this going in. We said there wasn't going to be a trade, even if they got a bat, that was going to, you know, you know, be a huge difference-making trade. Uh, you know, we know we knew going into the deadline, and then we now know after the deadline that, you know, the onus is on you know, the many star hitters in the lineup who have underperformed. And, 
that was always going to be the case. I just thought maybe they could have gotten just a little more pop from the right hand side, even if it wasn't a you know impact type of guy. Yeah, it it definitely signals that they believe what they've gotten out of Christian Pache is is something they think is real. Because I mean, look at what they've had from Johan Rojas at the major league level is pure bonus, right? Like he's yeah. he's got the twenty five percent strikeouts. Fine, he's only drawn the one walk. Okay one extra base hit. He's been what you expect him to be from his prospect profile. Somebody who can Probably really than run. I expected. <laughs> yeah, he can at really the plate, run. At the plate. No, I mean, really yeah, pick plate, it. I think he's held his, I, I don't, I don't want to say he's held his own. I would say that, um, he, he, I, I would, I'm surprised that he's, he's, um, he's hung in there at the plate more yes. than I thought he would. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. And it's worth mentioning. He has not played a single minute at triple a. So when, once Pache comes back, you can get Rojas to stay fresh by going to Lehigh Valley, you know, and, yeah. and getting reacclimated there. It's not as if it's not as if going back to AAA is a pure demotion for somebody like this. He skipped a level and came up has been has been fine in his action at the major league level. And that's great. That's pure bonus. But they have to believe that what they're going to get from Pache when he comes back, and what they've had from him when he's been healthy this year is at least somewhat real. Otherwise, I think they probably would have gone more aggressively in making a move to get somebody a little bit better than Rodolfo Castro. I wonder in September, are we going to see like the hand, the ultimate hands team for the outfield? Like, will they have, will, when they can carry an extra position player, will, will they carry both Pache and Rojas or is that too redundant? But I mean, if they did, they could have <laughs> Rojas in center, Marsh in left and Pache in right or something well, like that. Okay, so here's the so of course when rosters expand, check me on this because I'm going from memory, but I'm pretty September sure I have 1st. It. September first, you can bring up two additional players for a 28 man roster, yes, and you still have a max of 14 pitchers. Yes. Okay, so you would assume that the Phillies bring up a pitcher because they're using their bullpen like crazy right now, and I don't know how much that's going to change, especially with two trips of a six man rotation coming up this month. They're going to bring up a team that can have 14 pitchers. They're going to have 14 pitchers. Yeah. So that means one position player uh, added. First of all, we need to get this kind of cleared up. We can't, we can't engage in tinfoiling of thinking Reese Hoskins is going to be ready at any point. No, 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 no. Okay, good. Clear that out. Then that probably means that, yes, I would think Rojas, assuming he doesn't completely crater when he, uh, we assume goes back to triple a, that he'd be the guy that comes up. And yeah, then you can run really great outfield defense in the late innings when you assume, based on the way they've played for three weeks at this point, if you're leading, you're only going to be leading by one or two, and you need to have your hands team out there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's probably the, would probably be the best defensive outfield that they've fielded in um, at least since I've been covering the Phillies. I think what... I'm looking forward to figuring out as this season goes on and we eventually get into the off season later on, whenever that does occur is what position Bryce Harper is able to field for next year, because that's going to have a whole, that's going to have a whole lot of trickle down impacts on, on so many guys on this roster that I, I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse because we are just talking about this season and, Harper no, 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 I think this is a good base. conversation. Yeah, because yeah. they didn't see a way to improve, to meaningfully improve the offense right now. And I get that they're, you know, market constraints. But next off, but then the offseason, you know, and you and you and we all agree that maybe they need to go figure out how, you know, how to make the offense a little better, how to maybe add some pop. 
you know, how do you do it? Where do you do it? And, and Harper, you know, is, is going to be able to play the outfield again in 2024. Um, you know, is that left field? You know, because Nick Cassiano seems to be, I don't know. Right. Uh, you know, okay. You know, I don't say okay. He, he is, he is playable in right field, more playable than he was last year. Still never going to be average, but you know, it feels like he's at least gotten comfortable in right field. Um, Schwarber, you know, probably a DH uh, next year. So it's like, okay, if you have, you can either upgrade and get some right-handed pop for either left field or first base and Harper being able to, to play either position. Um, and, and he did make a, a, a not so good error last night. And we, you know, we, again, it, it's like, uh, he's still really figuring that position out as he plays, yeah. but, um, he's, he's definitely can play. I think that's pretty clear. So, um, if you say that he can play either first base or left field next year, that does give you a little flexibility, but I mean, yeah, you're probably right. You're looking at a right-handed bat for left field or first base, right? Yeah. And then at that point, you know, how does the rest of the roster shake up? Because yeah, and the, so, right, configuration. You, you like, right. I mean, if you like Johan Ross and Christian Pache mm-hmm. and you like Brandon Marsh, but you also think you need more power and that has to come in left field, then what happens to those three guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which no, it, one of them, which one of them rises, which one of them is a trade chip. It is very interesting to look at because they're going to go with this sort of configuration for the rest of this year. I don't know how viable it is for another year next year. I don't think it is. No. <laughs> no. And to Castellanos's credit, he ha- he had a nice relay play in the game last night. I would trust his arm in right field more than post Tommy John Bryce Harper, even though Bryce Harper when his arm was, you know, in its original state, was one of the better outfield arms, I think, in the entire game. You just don't know what that's going to look like. Hopefully with a full offseason to, you know, continue his rehab and strengthen it back up, it it gets back there. But you assume right field, especially in Citizens Bank Park, because left field is shorter, that you'd want more of an arm out in right field than in left field. But I I don't know. Again, that's, that's getting a little far ahead, but it is something to think about, especially in the wake of some of these moves that they've made. All right, so Matt, the Phillies finish out the last two games of their four-gamer against the Marlins here today and on Thursday. They are in the very beginning stretch of this easier August that has so far worked out okay. Pittsburgh series aside, I guess. Um, They've made their acquisitions. They've made their trades. It should be noted. It should be noted. It's rare that a move like this has any sort of huge impact, but... You can still make minor league trades through the end of August for a player to be eligible for the postseason roster. They just have to be in your organization or on the 60 day IL by the end of August. So keep that in mind. A player who hasn't been on a major league contract all season. That's what it is. Yes. Okay. Good qualifier. Yes. So they have, they cannot have been called up. Right. Uh, Right. I don't know who that would be, but I'm just saying, keep keep an eye, keep an eye out. Somebody, someone who has not been on a 40 man roster this season. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So, so keep an eye out for that. That that's something that could happen. Um, they're getting rolling here. It's early August. And do we feel broadly, do we feel like the Phillies did enough or are enough to stay in playoff position and make the playoffs for a second consecutive year? Oh yeah. Man, I think they <laughs> oh, could have yeah. done nothing. I think they could have done nothing. And I would have said that. I mean, that, and that's why I, that is my biggest criticism of this deadline is like, I think as constructed, like, yeah, I mean, like, they're one of the best six teams in the National League because I think their other teams that they're going up against are far weaker rosters mm-hmm. and just and have harder schedules moving forward, too. 
that's why I'm look I'm looking at it. It's like how have you improved your chances in the actual postseason? And I don't think that they meaningfully did. And I think that that to me is a little disappointing. Yeah, it's something to watch out for because you know, as we've said, you need certain players to get you through the regular season and to the playoffs. And then you kind of jettison them like that that rocket engine. Uh, Michael Lorenzen and Rodolfo Castro kind of feel like those jettisons. Like you may carry them, but they might not see the field. You know, they might be the Garrett Stubbs. Um, Syndergaard. I mean, I mean, Syndergaard yeah. made some, he got some big outs for them in the postseason. And Gibson maybe is the better comp. I mean, they both were on the postseason roster, Gibson and Syndergaard, but, you know, very rarely used. In Syndergaard's case, he did start a World Series game. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do, amazingly. And he was fine. It's It's kind of wild to think about now. Anyway. Yeah, I agree with you. The, the Phillies are bolstered by the fact that a lot of their National League competition didn't do a ton. They really didn't. It's not as if the Phillies fell behind anybody. You know, Miami did make a couple acquisitions, and in typical Miami fashion, they'll probably... Jake Berger. I love yeah, that. They'll, they'll squeeze some value out of some of those guys they picked up. But by and large, you know, with three wildcard teams, it's hard to see the Phillies, on paper, of course, as having fallen... Be significantly behind if they fell behind at all any of their immediate competition you know thinking about milwaukee arizona the cubs I, I don't think they have i think i think what they did was fine maybe slightly disappointing i guess i think i think it's fine um they need the guys and dombrowski said this too they need the guys who are already on the team to play better you can't you can't trade for the monstar trade Turner, you know, ability, you can't trade for, um, you know, Alec Bohm getting a little more power. Although it's hard to pick on Alec Bohm when he's the guy coming through for you the most alongside Bryson Starr right now. Like those are things you can't trade for. You have to believe that what you already have can elevate its game a little bit more. You know, Aaron Nola, you have to believe he can pitch a little bit better. You hope he can pitch better. There are things on this roster that can help keep them buoyed, that can help keep them above the rest of their competition, apart from just the trade market. If they get that, then great. My expectations are a little low. It's been two-thirds of a season. I think kind of what you see is what you get right now, but it's possible. It's within them. And if they get that, they'll be in even better position than really any trade in this trade market could have put them in. Right, and maybe maybe uh, I'm coming at it from a poor perspective here. I mean, maybe the addition of Michael Lorenzen um, you know, helps you enough in these two months that you, uh, you know, you um, easily or comfortably secure that four seed and you make sure that that three game series is played in your home ballpark. And that does matter. I think, I think that is important. Um, that should be the goal. Now the goal in my mind for them in the next two months is not just make the playoffs. It's make sure that that series is at home. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. I mean, I think it's okay to get a little selfish here. I mean, they right now, um, you know, are, are, are projected to have the, you know, by Fangraphs at least, they're projected to have the third best record in the league. You know, they have the best, they have the third best odds of making the playoffs right now. Um, they've considerably had the largest odds to clinch a wild card, you know, almost more than 25%, 25% more than the, the next closest team, the Giants. And that's just nice. odds. I understand that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, yeah. I mean, like having having you know you know having rotation depth and and sort of insurance uh, for the next two months, um, you know, is important in that regard. So maybe that's how I should we should be looking at it, is that th- these moves were done to make sure that they play. They know they're not going to win the division, 
So right. these moves were done to make sure that they are playing that wild card series, that three game series at Citizens Bank Park. All right, beautiful. The Phillies finish out this series in Miami, then come home for three against the Royals over the weekend. Matt, before we sign off for the second time this week, wow, a multi-podcast week. Can you believe it? Uh, anything you got coming up you want to plug or let folks know about is coming? No. I did go back and and uh, I was looking at I remember the time that Michael Lorenzen hit a home run against the Phillies. Uh-huh. It was uh, 2017. Okay. He he hit it off of Adam Morgan. Oh. Uh, it, it was very early in 2017 that year, and I, I want to just bring this up so I can find the lineup. Lorenzen was a pinch hitter in that game. <clears throat> Phillies lost seven to four. Uh, the pitchers were Clay Buckles, Adam Morgan, and Edu Bry Ramos. Wow. And Lorenzen hit his home run uh, to break a tie. It ended up being a game-winning home run in the sixth inning off of Morgan. I just want to give you the Phillies lineup from that day. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is too good. This is too good. This is April 6, 2017. Cesar Hernandez, Daniel Nava in left field, Duble Herrera, Michael Franco, Michael Saunders in right field, Andrew Knapp catching, uh, Brock Stassi at first base. Oh, baby. And Freddie Galvis at shortstop. You know, I used Michael Saunders as an immaculate great answer earlier this week. Oh, yeah. Nice. Those are the glory days, man. It's hard to believe that was only six years ago that you could keep busting out names like that, like Brock Stassi. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And Michael Lorenzen is a good hitter, but no, he will not be hitting for the Phillies. <laughs> I'm just picturing some kind of emergency situation where he gets called in, like a game that randomly goes to the 13th inning and he needs to step in for some. I mean, this is why I miss, reason. this is why I miss pitchers hitting because yeah. with, you know, with yeah. the DH now, this just, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Okay. All right. That <clears throat> you barely, the, the 25th, you know, the, the last two position players on a team's bench are barely used anymore. Anyway. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But at least they get paid. All right, cool. So the Phillies, Hopefully easier schedule continues. We'll be back with you at some point next week uh, during that Kansas City series. After getting a look at Michael Lorenzen and Rodolfo Castro, we think the new Phillies additions and hopefully cult heroes in August and September and maybe on to the postseason. (sighs) Thanks again to our folks at Phillies Nation for helping to get the word out and syndicating us. Hopefully you've been able to check out some of their fine work on their pages listen to us as you've read some of their articles our, our many thanks to, to destiny and brian and, and rob and all of them over there many many thank yous for helping us get the word out format i am paul we'll see you next week <laughs>